All right, welcome back. Getting into Genesis chapter 31, Jacob's flight from Haran. We'll just jump into verses 1 through 3. And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all his all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. As before, Hebrew as yesterday and the day before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto to the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred and I will be with thee. So Jacob left for Canaan for two interrelated reasons. One, animosity by Laban's sons was growing against Jacob and Laban's mood was dangerous. Perhaps God stirred up the nest. And two, God told Jacob to return to his own land, a divine call to leave for the land of promise. So they said that Jacob had taken away that all that was our father's, and it wasn't that Jacob had taken anything belonging to Laban. Rather, it was that his wealth was increasing in proportion to Laban's wealth. The problem wasn't that Jacob stole. It was that Laban's sons were filled with envy. Envy will distort the truth. Jacob had not taken anything of Laban's, but envy will lie. So it said the countenance of Laban was not favorable towards him. So the envy of Laban's sons poisoned Laban's heart against Jacob before or he was entirely pleased with the agreement. Envy is bad not only on its own, but also for the company it keeps. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. James 3.16 Instead, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. God wants to deliver us from envy, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Envy is no small sin. It puts Jesus on the cross, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Matthew chapter 27, verse 18. And of course, verse 3, God tells Jacob to go back home, return to the land of your fathers, even if Jacob never knew it. God prepared for this time, and more importantly, prepared him for this time. First, God gave him the desire to go back home. Then his present circumstances became unbearable. Finally, the Lord gave personal direction to Jacob. God may lead one today in the same pattern. And I will be with you. This was the most important aspect. If God were with Jacob, he could be at peace and confident in any difficulty, or at least he had to the opportunity for peace and confidence. So jumping down to verses 4 through 16. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field and to his flock. And he said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father, and your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, The speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, The ring straked shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ring straked. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. 
And it came to pass, at the time that the cattle conceived, that I lifted up mine eyes, and I saw in a dream, and behold, the rams, which leaped upon the cattle, a ring straight, speckled, and gristled. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and see, all the rams, which leap upon the cattle, are ring straight, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto to me. Now arise, and get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. And Rachel and Leah answered, and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us, and hath quite devoured also our money. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours, and our children's, now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. So that's quite a mouthful. The response of both women was in faith as well. Laban had exploited his daughter's wealth and had lost their goodwill. So they were willing to leave their father. So he says, the God of my father has been with me. And so even though Laban tried to cheat Jacob, God protected him all the time. So God showed Jacob that he was greater and able to overcome what any man might do to Jacob. This attitude was later expressed in a psalm. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalm 118 verse 6. You know that with all my might I have served your father. And this shows that Jacob knew his wives were aware of his righteous conduct and Laban's unfair treatment of him. So he tells them that the angel of God spoke to me in a dream. Significantly, there was much more to what the Lord said to Jacob than what was reported in Genesis 31 verse 3. Genesis 31 verse 3 was completely true, but there was more to it than the simple brief word from the Lord. And of course, he said, I'm the God of Bethel. God told Jacob to go back to Bethel, back to the place where he first encountered the Lord in a personal way. This was Jacob's way of returning to his first love and first works, as later described in Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, which states, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of this place, except thou repent. He said, I am the God of Bethel, and it is good to remember times and places where the Lord did great works for us, and met us in wonderful ways. And as we remember them, God reminds us he is still the same God who met our needs then and wants to meet our needs now. Leah and Rachel say, is there any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Rachel and Leah noted that their father had already used any potential inheritance that they may have once received, also completely consumed our money, right? So this meant they were more willing to leave their homeland with Jacob and return to Bethel and the land promised to Jacob. And they said, whatever God has said to you, do it. And their support of Jacob in a costly and perhaps dangerous move was significant. It was a huge undertaking to move such a large family so far. If not for the support of his wives, Jacob would not have done what the Lord had told him to do. And this may be the first time in quite a while when the sisters Leah and Rachel agreed on anything. They could agree in uniting against a common foe, their father Laban. So coming down to verses 17 through 19, then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels, and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods, which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Padanaram, 
therefore to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan, and Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. Rachel stole Laban's household teraphim, which were little figurines of deities, pagan gods that showed property ownership. This shows the pagan influence in Laban's family. Perhaps she told herself she deserved them since Laban had turned the tables on her in the name of custom and had deprived her of her right to marry first. But her hard-headed self-interest almost brought disaster, right? So the Newsy tablets in 1925, about 4,000 clay tablets were discovered in a town east of Haran and are now called the Tablets of Newsy, uh, excavations in 1925 to 1931. They found written documents yielding detailed insights into the life and culture of the region in the second millennium BC. We learned that these teraphim could be used to show property ownership or used by a son-in-law as proof of being a principal heir. That's why Laban insisted on a bounty boundary zone at Mitzbah to assure property to his sons. These Nuzi tablets also describe details about sisterhood status that could be elevated to a superior uh, position and a wife that was especially favored could be elevated to the rank of a sister. These were Hurrian customs unknown to neither Abimelech nor Pharaoh. It was also customary to have surrogate motherhood by maidservants. So Jacob intended a quick departure, traveling as fast as possible. It also demonstrates his great wealth that his entire family could travel on camels. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian. God already told Jacob to go and promised a safe passage. Jacob's fear and deception departure shows he lacked confidence in God and his promise and relied more on his own wisdom and ability. He could have announced his departure and gone in the glory of an army with banners, but fear made it impossible to reap the full measure of blessing. He sneaked away into the will of God instead of departing in triumph. And Rachel stolen these household idols, um, these teraphim. There are many potential reasons why Rachel did this. Perhaps she worshipped these idols and did not want to be without them. Perhaps she did not want her father to inquire of them, using them as tools of divination to catch them, as he may have previously done in Genesis chapter 30, verse 27. Um, Perhaps it was because such idols were often used as deeds to property, and she thought this she was taking whatever inheritance might be left to Laban's children. Perhaps Rachel stole the teraphim simply to get back at her father, whom she felt had mistreated her, her husband, and her whole family. According to some Jewish traditions, Rachel took the teraphim because she wanted to keep her father Laban from idolatry. So we'll take verses 20 through 28. And Jacob stole away the unawares to Laban the Syrian, in that he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled. And he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the Mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done, that thou hast stolen away unawares to me, and carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword? Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly, and steal away from me, and didst not tell me, that I might have sent thee away with mirth, and with songs, and with tabret, and with harp? 
and hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters, thou hast done foolishly in so doing. In the controversy between Jacob and Laban, legal jargon was used to describe their civil suit. In the first strife or accusation, Laban claimed that Jacob had robbed him, but he presented himself as a hurt father and a baffled avenger in verse 29. So, heading towards the mountains of Gilead, it was nearly 300 miles from Haran to the mountains of Gilead, but the journey was longer and tougher psychologically than physically for Jacob. He left a place of safety where he lived in comfortable servitude to go to a place where God has called him, but dangerous enemies abounded, such as his brother Esau, who swore to kill him. And so Laban was told on the third day that Jacob fled, and this shows that Jacob and his family lived some distance from Laban. He didn't notice their departure for three days. And God came to Laban in a dream by night, and the need for God's message to Laban shows that Laban did have evil intention towards Jacob, but God protected Jacob through this dream by night. And at this point, Jacob was not far from the Jordan River in the Promised Land. This shows that he traveled quickly and that Laban was determined to pursue him this far. And he asked him, why you flee away secretly, and Laban first tried to shame Jacob with kindness, suggesting that they would have had a celebration at his departure. Apparently, that idea was met with an unsympathetic response, so Laban threatened Jacob, it is in my power to do you harm. So looking at verses 29 through 30, it is in the power of my hand to do you hurt, but the God of your father spake to me yesternight, saying that take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad, and now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou sore longest after my father's house, or after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? And this is why Laban pursued Jacob. It is one thing for Jacob to take his flocks and family, but his gods too. Perhaps Jacob would try to steal back to Haran someday and claim all of Laban's estate. Failing to find the gods, Laban later in Genesis 31 verses 43 to 53 made a treaty to keep this troublesome man out of his territory. So he wants to know why he stole these pagan gods, these images. Jacob, not knowing his beloved wife Rachel stole the household idols, proclaimed his innocence and pronounced a harsh curse on the thief, not knowing that he actually put a curse on his own wife. And so taking verses 31 to 34, And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Peradventure thou wouldest take by force thy daughters from me, with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live before. For our brethren discern thou what is thine with me, and take it to thee. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the maidservants' tents. But he found them not. And then when he went out of Leah's tent, and entered into Rachel's tent, now Rachel had taken the images, and put them in a camel's furniture, and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, but found them not. So Laban was then deceived by Rachel as she put the idols in her camel saddle and sat on the saddle in her tent. And Rachel learned the ways of deception well from her father and perhaps also from her husband. She succeeded in deceiving her father about the idols, right? And amid much that is sad and even sorted about this story, amid craft, deceit, and lying almost on every side, we cannot fail to see the hand of God overruling and making even the wrath of man to praise him. In verse 35, 36, And she said unto her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise up before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched, but found not the images. 
and Jacob was wroth, and chode with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass, what is my sin, that thou hast hotly pursued after me? And apparently Laban never dreamed that a woman would dare take a chance to contaminate the idols. And what a blow this was to the teraphim. They became nothing gods, for a woman who claimed to be unclean sat on them. Leviticus chapter 15 verse 20. So we'll come down to verses 36 to 42. Jacob will rebuke his father-in-law Laban. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you, and your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night, and there I was. In the day the draught consumed me, and the frost by night, and the sleep departed from mine eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years, and I have served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction in the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Laban, the prosecutor, now became the accused, ignorant of Rachel's theft of the idols. Jacob angrily made a devastating counterattack. And it's likely that this anger built up in Jacob for a long time, perhaps 20 years. Perhaps in his mind, he practiced this speech over and over again. And he says, what is my trespass? And Jacob rebuked Laban and made a case for his own innocence with several examples. What part of your household things have you found? After searching, Laban found no evidence of the stolen gods he accused Jacob of taking. And he said, these 20 years I've been with you, and Jacob's 20 years of faithful service have proved his integrity. And he said, your ewes and your female goats have I not miscarried. This demonstrated the care Jacob showed for the success of Laban's herds. And he said, I have not eaten the rams of your flock. Jacob didn't feed or enrich himself at the expense of what belonged to Laban. And he said, by which is torn by beast I did not bring to you. It was ancient custom that a shepherd could bring the torn carcass of a sheep to his owner as evidence that he was brave enough to not let a wolf devour it or take it away. And thus the shepherd would be excused. Jacob explained he didn't follow this custom and every animal that was attacked or stolen he replaced out of his own herd. The drought consumed me and he said the frost by night and my sleep departed, Jacob worked hard and sacrificed for the success of Laban's enterprise. And he said, you changed my wages ten times. Jacob endured repeated unfairness from Laban as his employer. And so he says, unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. Jacob claimed that it was God's protection that sent him away in a way that prevented Laban from taking what belonged to Jacob. And it was good that Jacob saw God's place in all this Unfortunately, nowhere does Jacob claim God as his own. He referred to God as the God of his father Isaac and grandfather Abraham. So coming down to verses 43 to 50, Jacob and Laban make a covenant. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters, or to their children whom they have born? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on the heap, and Laban 
called it Igar Zahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day, and therefore its name was called Galid, also Mitzpah, because he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take another wives beside my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. So Laban suggested they make a covenant for a boundary between them. Laban instigated it, for Jacob neither needed it nor cared for it. Jacob set up a tall stone and then piled a heap of stones around it. And Mitzpah, which translate to a beacon or watchtower, represents that they did not trust each other. Laban called them by the Aramaic name Jagar Sahadutha, but Jacob called them the Hebrew Galid. Laban explained that the name means a heap of witness, but he added the Hebrew name Mitzpah and trusting God to watch over them. He says, All you see is mine. Laban boldly said that everything Jacob had actually belonged to him, yet in a supposed gesture of generosity, he said to Jacob, It is mine, but Jacob, out of generosity of my heart, I'll let you have it. And it says, uh, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. And this covenant Laban expressed how suspicious he was of Jacob. The idea of Mitzpah, watch, is if you do wrong, God will see it and he may punish. In effect, the pillar of Mitzpah meant, if you come over on my side of this line, the pact is void and I will kill you. The covenant breaker would need God to take care of him because the other would shoot to kill. Mitzpah was never meant to be a nice sentiment, but despite what a Mitzpah coin shared between two people might say. So verses 50 to 55, if thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou shalt take other wives beside my daughters, no man is with us. See, God is witness between me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar, which I have cast between me and thee. This heap be witness, and this pillar be witness, that I will not pass over this heap to thee. Thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. The God of Abraham, and the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judge betwixt us. And Jacob swear by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread. And they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning Laban rose up and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned unto his place. So both the boundary settlement and the wives' rights show that Laban and Jacob wanted to confirm this agreement. But the treaty also marked a break with the east for the family of Israel. This border treaty marked out the frontier in the hill country of Gilead. This account later had great significance for Israel. God would deliver and protect Israel as he brought them back to the land from Egypt. All this became important for later Israel-Aramean relations. Laban was an Aramean or Syrian. And it says, I will not pass beyond this heap to you. The best solution for Jacob's in-law problems was for him to separate from Laban. Therefore, they set up a pillar to be a barrier between them. And there is wisdom in having some separation from in-laws. The Bible says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Laban and Jacob seem to have more problems than many, so their separation was extreme, and Laban departed and returned to his place, and after a proper goodbye, Laban saw his daughters and grandchildren for the last time. And this is the last we hear of Laban in the Bible, and it is good that this is the end of him. Laban is of the world, and Jacob needed to be freed from the world in order to live wholeheartedly for the God of his fathers. On Laban, rather than seeking to follow the truth of God's plan as witnessed by Jacob, he merely resented and coveted the blessing of 
God on Jacob. He finally ended up with neither. His life constitutes a sober warning to a great host of semi-religious but fundamentally self-worshipping and self-seeking men and women today. So Rachel and Leah were wrong to look to their father Laban for their portion of inheritance, Genesis 31 verse 14. Once they were married to Jacob, he now was their portion and inheritance. Since you are saved and joined in Christ, appraise the world and ask, Is there yet any portion for me? If you think there is, you are mistaken. This ties up Genesis chapter 31. Next time we'll get into Genesis 32, we'll have Jacob's wrestling, and Jacob will hear of Esau's approach. Thank you for joining me.